Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. I remember, see how vague I can be without being vague. I remember that I was at a point in my life that I was uh, getting some freedom and uh, felt just generally unrestricted. Hi guys, y'all are over here too. The box is like this partition. And I remember some friends inviting me to go someplace and we got there and I remember thinking this is, you know, this is going to be fun. I'm not going to do anything that, you know, it's going to be bad or moral or whatever, you know, I'm just going to like go have a good time and I'm with some friends that, you know, they're, they're pretty good people too. And I remember standing outside of this place and I started getting a little uncomfortable and I felt I haven't actually heard the audible voice of God, but boy, he speaks to my heart sometimes. And it was like, he spoke to me and he said, Dom, I'm not in there. And it was like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, <laughs> but come on, God, I'm not going to be, and he's like, do you really want to be in a place where you're outside of my presence? And boy, that drew a line in the sand for me. I've got kind of a crazy illustration. Y'all, prepare yourselves. (laughs) Oh, man. I need a handful of people to come up here. Let me see. Let's do five. Now, I used to pass out cups. This is the third time I've done this illustration. Jackie told me this is her favorite. Hi. Hi, guys. And I usually hand out cups to everybody, but I'm not doing that because, yeah, I don't have that many cups. All right. (laughs) I need, uh, let me see, let's get three girls and two guys up here. And uh, I'm going to have lots of opportunity for you all to be up here. So um, come on up. Come on up. Yes, dude, you're excited. I like it over here. Yes, come on up. That's four. I need another dude. Yeah, come on, dude. Yes. All right, y'all stand like, yeah, over there is good, because I think more people can see over there. I did not plan on this box being so high. Here, pass out cups. Everyone gets a cup. Don't turn your back to the audience. All right. Do I need one more? No, that's five. And, uh, oh, hey, there you are. Cup. Hold on. Now, I made sure that after a long, hard day of running and competing, that you guys would have some water. So why don't you take that, some of that, pour it in your cup, and pass it down. I want to take a minute and think about the word holiness. Holiness means set apart for a purpose. Maybe your parents have uh, some fine china that they keep at the house, and they might use around Christmas time every year. But other than that, it's like collecting dust on some shelf somewhere. And you know, if you touch that thing to like pour a bowl of cereal in the morning, you're getting like, you know, cut off. Holiness means that something is set apart for a purpose. See, right now, I'm going to ask every one of them at the end. Here, you don't have to hold that. Thank you. To drink the cup of water that they have. That's, that's y'all's job. All you have to do is drink the water when we're done. That's pretty easy, right? Everything's copacetic. All right, now what I have here in my hand is 100% genuine 
What do y'all think that is? That's right. That is pure youth pastor pee right there. That is gross. Who does that? It's still warm. Yep. Now, I would like to ask my lovely assistants up here, which one of you, if I took just a single drop out of here and dropped it in your cup, would still drink it? Now, see, I can't do this with the whole group because there's always some guy that's like, yeah, do it! Can I smell it first? You don't want to smell this, man. All right, so, no, no, yo. Stay with me. Which one of you guys would like an eye drop, single drop of youth pasture pee in your water before you drink it? Like, wait, 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 wait. But some of you, yeah, some of you have a lot of water. Like, it'll probably go in and like, and you'll never, it like won't change the color of the water. It won't change anything about it. You won't even taste it because it's so little in such a big cup. Any takers? Y'all. We treat the righteousness of Christ and holiness a lot like this, but we're more than happy to drop little bits of sin, little bits of temptation, little bits of just playing around into our cup after Jesus gave his life and his blood so that we could be pure. Y'all, when we talk about holiness, you need to understand that we are set apart for a purpose. This water has purpose to be drank. Drunk. I don't know what the grammatical use is there. But we have water that's going to be set apart to be drank. It's set apart for a purpose. And way too many times do we play around. Way too many times we go, well, just a little bit is okay. It's okay. I'm not going to go all the way. It's okay if it's just, just every now and then. No, I, I know I can stop. And we start dropping in stuff that there is no way, if we were to use this illustration, we would ever, 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 ever let that kind of garbage into the pure heart that God gave us. All right, so no takers, none. All right, the count of three, y'all ready? Y'all ready? One, two, three, go for it. Drink your water. Yeah, y'all need to be hydrated more than me. Yeah, go for it. Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. Y'all can keep your water. All right, we got scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 14. Is he going to be up there or do I have to look over here? 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy as I am holy. Y'all, our God is holy beyond what we can understand because he is set apart. He is not part of this world. He created it, but he is other than it. He is set apart completely from sin. And what is Sin cannot be with what is holy because just like that nasty illustration, as soon as just a little bit of sin touches holiness, it destroys 
everything. And so a perfect God cannot be with what is unperfect. A perfect father cannot be with what is in rebellion. If we rebel against God with our sin, it is not God's fault that we have separated ourselves from life. I don't know if y'all made that connection. If God is life and we reject God, Jesus, we have rejected life. Be holy as I am holy. Don't live in the flesh of your former lusts after things. The lusts of popularity, the lusts of the opposite sex, the lust of, of trying to look good or always having the new technology or whatever it is. Those things that we struggle with, let's, we need to separate ourselves from them so completely that it's just like that nasty pee in our water. There's a neat story in 1 Kings. And I'm not going to put it all up on the board. But it's this amazing story of Elijah. And the whole nation, I'd love to tell the story. It's amazing. But I, I can only give you a snippet tonight. This nation is in drought. That means there's no water. No water, no plants. You can't water your cattle, so they die. There's no water. And people are dying left and right in the desert that has become what God called the promised land because of the people's sin. And that's, again, part of the story that I can't get into. And God told Elijah, I want you to go to the king and tell him there's not going to be any rain until I say so. Because you need to remember who your God is while you're worshiping idols, while you're pursuing sins of the flesh. And so Elijah did. And when there was no rain, guess who they wanted to kill? Elijah. So he went and hid out. And again, more cool story, but I got to skip forward. One day, when Elijah's last bit of sustenance wore out, he went wandering, and he found a widow, and she was with her son collecting sticks. And Elijah comes up to her, and he sits down and goes, Ma'am, would you go and make me a little bread to eat? And the widow says this, and it's like heartbreaking. If you can just hear a mother's heart saying this, she says, Sir, I have nothing to give you. We're gathering sticks here so that we can cook our last bit of flour and last bit of oil into one last small bit of bread so that we can finish off what we have and die together. And Elijah said, ma'am, you go and do it. And then you watch because your oil and your flour will not run out until this famine is over. And she went and did it. She used her last little bit and God anointed those vessels so that they did not run out of oil or flour until the famine was over. You have to see that what happens in the story is an exchange. This woman gives all that she has for herself and her boy to the man of God, and God pours into her, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing for her. There is an exchange that happens. We don't have much to give. We are human, we're flawed, we're, we're pretty stinking empty. I don't know about you, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, okay, this is as good as it's getting today. You know, like, but God promises us that if we will bring the little that we have, just like that little bit of oil and that little bit of flour, and we will surrender those at the foot of the cross, that he will pour into us everlasting oil and flour, everlasting life. Y'all, that is amazing. I've lived for the Lord most of my life. Somewhere in high school, I was sitting by a lake, and I made the commitment that 
up until then, my faith had really relied on my parents. But as, as of that moment by that lake shore, I committed that, okay, God, come hell or high water, no matter what happens in my life, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to give my life to your glory. Whether I'm a cartoonist or a scientist or whatever I end up doing, Lord, I'm still going to live it 100% for you. My life is now yours. And that was probably the day of my genuine like salvation. I'd worshiped the Lord and loved him the whole time, and I, I was probably saved, but this was the time that I went, okay, I'm stepping away from my parents now, and I'm standing on my own two feet, and God, I'm, I'm yours. Fast forward about four or five years, and I was in college, and it was in the middle of some sort of worship time or whatever, and God did that thing where he spoke to my heart, and he said, Dom, you haven't given me everything. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm studying to minister the gospel, you know? Like, I, what else do you want from me? You see, what God knew that other people around me didn't know is that since I was a kid, more backstory, sorry, but I'll skip it. Since I was a kid, what motivated me to make good grades from third grade on was I had certain dreams and goals that I wanted to attain, that I wanted to pursue. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Like third grade, I set those goals and those dreams, and I drove for them. And that, that's what kept me going. That's what kept me motivated. Like I would tell people, I'm like, guys, you got to get on board because we're going places. You know, like you haven't heard the last of my name. <laughs> you know, like I was so like arrogant. I'm like, I'm going. And in college, God said, Dom, you never gave me your dreams and goals. And I was like, but, <laughs> sorry, God, but um, that's, that's really small, but I'm keeping that for myself right now. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, again, God, like, that's what motivates me. And God was like, Dom, you haven't given me your whole life yet. So I went to a, one of my spotters at the time. And I said, this is what God's asking me to do, and I can't do it. And he said something so wise. He said, Dom, maybe God has given you a destination, but he's not asking you to do it at this moment. He wants you to turn towards that and start working towards that end. And it took a couple weeks of my praying and a little crying and just getting through it. And, and eventually I surrendered that. And since then, like, God has been able to, like, speak to me in ways that he couldn't before. Because I, I, suddenly I was all in. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. But, okay, so back in the day when there was, like, the Crusades, let's not get into whether that was a good thing or not. But... They would say, oh, because they were just like, you know, they would use Jesus as a motivator or whatever, kind of manipulating. But something they would do is like, okay, before anybody can fight for us, they have to be baptized, right? Except they kept having people die, so they just eventually needed to hire mercenaries to come in. But you can't have some unbaptized mercenaries fighting for, you know, the people of God or something. And so they would baptize these mercenaries. And I'm telling you, this was like not a spirit-led thing. But it's an interesting visual that those mercenaries would always take out their sword and they would hold their sword so that as they were baptized, they'd hold their sword out of the water. What an interesting picture. Y'all, we're doing baptisms tomorrow morning. I don't know if any of y'all are on that list or might want to be, but whenever we are baptized, it's the idea and the vision of a whole person being baptized going and dying to their old self and the new person coming out of the water just like Jesus came out of the grave. A whole and complete wetness, submersion completely in the presence of God. So I've got some fun gifts up here because I think that maybe a lot of us in here, maybe some of you guys are like me. You're holding on to this one last little thing. Maybe it's a lot of things. I don't know. That's between you and God. But I'm telling you, I had trouble surrendering all of me. 
And there's still things in my life that God will show me and drop in. But that was an interesting moment in my life where God almost like reconnected to draw me back. I've got some gifts up here. So when we come to the cross with the little that we have to offer, there is a great exchange that happens, and God gives us gifts. So I need some more volunteers. Some people that didn't come up. Aaron, yes. I don't know. Come on up. Yes, definitely. I'm sorry I don't know your name yet. Mm. Yeah, Joseph. Yeah, both of you two. Come on up. All right, that's enough for now. All right, so we're talking about being at the cross, right? So whenever we give our hearts to the Lord, the Bible says that we are born again. That's John chapter 3, in case you're curious. We are born again, like new life or whatever. And so that means, y'all... That means it's a birthday. All right, I'm going to hand out presents. Y'all get to open them. Heads up, there is nothing actually cool in this box, but they represent very cool things. So don't like be like, you know, there's no golden tickets. You know, no one's going to chocolate land, you know. But if y'all can get a grip on, you can just let it go. If y'all can get a grip on why these things represent some of the most important things that will ever be in your life. All right, so here we go. Hmm. Oh, oh, I even got these, because party time. All right. Yeah, all right, all right. Calm down on the horns. Don't make me regret it. <laughs> all right. Go for it. You can open up yours. All right, what you got in there? You gotta show us. This is not creepy at all. The face on this baby is like so gangster. <laughs> Second Corinthians five seventeen says that, "Behold, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come." One of the things that happens at the exchange of the cross where we bring the very little that we have is, is God gives us new life. We get a fresh start. How amazing is that? And so this baby represents a new start, fresh life. You got it. All right, go for it, Mackenzie. What you got? It's soap. You want to pull it out? It's really good smelling soap, too. Thank you, Pat, for the delicious smelling soap. Can you rip it open? Oh, yeah. There it is. Soap. It's so amazing. Another thing that happens at the cross is that our sin is washed away. Remember the whole old is gone, new has come? Y'all, I don't even understand how Jesus can take red blood, put it on my black heart, and make it white as snow. Like That is awesome. And yet... When we come to the cross, the great exchange says he's going to wash us from head to toe. That's amazing. That's flipping awesome. God is washing us. All right, what's next? Elijah? Oh, no, I gave you something loud. What you got there? Ring it for us. Yeah. So back in the day, before they had social media, whenever there was a court case, should the man on trial be ruled, 
hold back on the bell for a second. <laughs> Should he be ruled as innocent and released, the town crier would run out, they would ring the bell of the city, and he would shout, he is free, he is free, he is free. Guys, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. We receive freedom at the cross. That, I mean, Miko talked about it this morning. Like, isn't it great that whenever we live in righteousness, we don't have to feel like guilty and shameful all the time? We don't have to worry about getting caught. We don't have to worry about any of that. And you know what? All the times that we did get caught, we did mess up, we did blow it, that's gone too. The Bible says that not only did God take our sins, he took our guilt. Maybe that released somebody in here. God took your guilt. Jesus washed your guilt away too. You are free. Here, ring the bell for me. You are free. <laughs> All right, come on. Come on, Joseph. What you got for us? Oh, he's got a key. Yeah, give the key a hand. <laughs> Guys, Romans chapter 8 says that when God calls us, oh, I'm about to like jump ahead of myself, but we become co-heirs with Christ for heaven. The Bible says that God says in his house, is in heaven, there are many rooms. He is pulling us together, but we have an inheritance. Y'all, if Jesus sees you and me as sons and daughters, that kind of makes Jesus our brother in some kind of crazy way. It's kind of cool that our brother is also before the throne of God making intercession for us. Like That's, that's crazy. We have an inheritance. We inherit the kingdom of God, both here and in heaven. There is an inheritance. That's amazing. Are you all ready for a second round? All right. All right, let's do it. All right, what else we got here? All right. Oh, Aaron, I got something special for you. You get to keep this at the end. All right, don't open it yet. Don't get too excited. All right. Oh, man. Here. Mackenzie? I'm sorry. Oh, this is nice. Oh, yeah. Are you ready for this? And, dude, this last one is yours. Okay. Part of your goal whenever it's your turn is to get that sucker out of there. All right. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. Oh, my gosh. Hold your fire. All right. Aaron, go for it. What do we got in there? It's a ring pop. Yes. You get to keep it at the end. Remember how I mentioned that God is our father? He says that he adopts us as sons and daughters, giving us the ability to call him Abba, as in daddy, that familial term. And you know something else is really cool? Y'all remember the story of the prodigal kid? He like goes, messes up his life, comes home. He kind of like stiff-armed his father on the way out the door and he comes back and the father runs to him. Y'all remember that story? Man, I wish I had time to go through all this, but this is good stuff. So he comes back, right? And he's like, Father, I, I don't even deserve to be your son anymore. Just make me your slave. And he falls at his father's feet. And his father, like, I, I just see his father, like, tears and everything. And he lifts him up, and he says he did several things. He said he put a coat on his back, put shoes on his feet, and he put a ring on his finger. The, the signet ring of the family. You're in the family. And so one of the things that we receive at the cross, y'all, we receive a family. You look around in here, you got brothers and sisters. 
That's cool. We have brothers and sisters. You know what? Across the planet, all the way around, there are people that are doing communion, breaking bread, and sharing in that together. That is something that unifies the entire family of Christ. doesn't matter what denomination you are. doesn't matter where you live, what the culture is. The Christian theme around the planet is that we remember the Lord's Supper. We become a part of something huge. That means that on the night that Jesus did this, and he's saying, remember me, and he holds up the cup of wine and the bread and stuff, that table stretched past 12 people and stretches into now, and we each come to that table every time. We are at a family table, and Dad is breaking bread with us. That's powerful. All right, what's next? Go for it, Mackenzie. What you got? Oh, here, I'll take them from you because they smell. Y'all, I love that these are worn out. They're still wet. <laughs> They're not that bad. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, is whenever Jesus sits down with his disciples. It's before he did like his launch into the heavens. And he said, guys, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Y'all, we have purpose. We have a commission. We have a job to do. And so anytime you're sitting around and you're like, I don't know what my purpose is, you have a purpose. If you're in the family of Christ, you have a job. You have a commission to go, to put on your walking shoes and share the gospel with people because they're in darkness and they're dying and they don't know where to get life because unknown to them, they've been stiff-arming life the whole time. And they need somebody to tell them, this is truth. This is light. This is life. Let me tell you about my Savior. We need to wear these out. We have purpose. You don't have to hold those anymore. Those are nasty. All right, go for it. Tear it up. That is a heavy, what is it? It's an anchor, y'all. Guys. <laughs> The Bible says, what can separate us from the love of God? What can stop us? I remember Paul, towards the end of his life, he said, man, if they kill me, I get to be with God. You can set it down. You don't have to do reps while you're up here. The girls know you're handsome. What can separate us from the love of God? Paul, at the end of his life, said, man, if they kill me, I get to be in the arms of, in the arms of my father. But if they let me live, I get to minister the gospel. Win-win. There's like, we have an anchor that no matter what, our God is with us because everything is for our good and his glory. Thank you, Jackie, for that sermon. That was awesome. You need to do that here. Y'all, we have an anchor that no matter how hard life gets, no matter how crazy the wind gets, your life could go down hard. Something that could happen tomorrow that just rocks your whole world. But if you have Jesus at the cross, he gives us an anchor that can't be moved because he is the rock that can't be moved. He's the cornerstone of the house. Guys, this is so cool. You can hang in there and go, you know what? No matter what comes my way, I will not be separated from the love of Jesus. He has a plan for my life. Behold, I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you. 
our good and his glory never changes. It's an anchor. All right, Joseph, are you ready? All right, I need you to go like, like straight up corn fed on that thing. All right, my friend. Yeah. All right, can you unwrap it while holding it? That dude is a hoss, man. It took two people to get that on stage, and he's like, throwing paper. There you go. Flip it over for me. There you go. It's a car battery. First of all, Zachary, thank you very much. I'm sorry that I didn't ask before I took the battery out of your car. I'll give it back. All right, Joseph, you can put it down. Thanks. All right, first of all, before we move forward, give these guys a hand. They're awesome. All right, y'all can sit, be seated. Thank you. All right, just put the stuff back in the box, except the battery. A car battery. What the heck? Car battery. Y'all, Jesus says, I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm going to send you a comforter that will endow you with power. Y'all remember the story in Acts, right? It's like Acts chapter 2, and all God's people are like kind of missing Jesus. He just, you know, did his launch, and they're in one room, and it says that a sound came like a rushing wind through the room. And little tongues of fire like started dancing over their heads because the Holy Spirit was so powerful. And then after that, the Holy Spirit empowered them to go out and do miracles, prophecies, words of wisdom. People spoke in tongues. But more than anything, the Spirit empowered them to go and minister the gospel. Like, that is amazing. Why a car battery? Because it is the power. The Holy Spirit is the power inside of us that powers us to go do those things. Even further, did you ever think about the name Holy Spirit? Remember back in the day, they had like the God of wheat, the God of the river, the God of the weather. Well, we think about Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of holiness. He's the one that cleanses us. That's part of his job. It's kind of a misnomer, you know, like the Jesus in my heart. It's the Holy Spirit that's in there. And he is purifying us. He's making our water pure. I'm telling you, my water is dirty most of the time. But it's the Holy Spirit in us that purifies us and lays the righteousness of Jesus over us so that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. That's amazing. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit's in you. When we go to the cross and we say, God, I'll give you all of me. It's not much, but I'm going to look for that last 1% that I haven't given. I'm giving that to you too. The Lord gives us a great exchange that he gives us these things. He gives us an inheritance, a purpose. He gives us a family. He gives us new life. He gives us holiness. He endows us with this amazing stuff, priceless stuff. There was a man who was convicted rightfully and put in prison. And he had a wife that was so faithful to him. And I don't remember how long his term was. It was a long time. And several times a week, she would come and she would visit 
over and over again faithfully year after year after year. All the time, every week she was there, loving him, serving him, being present for him. And then one day, only months before his sentence was up and he was released, she stopped coming altogether. And his heart, like, broke. Like, what's, what's going on? She's been faithful all this time. Like, he couldn't imagine it. Did she find someone else? Did, did something happen to her? Did she, did she die in something tragic? Like, what happened? And he got out, and he couldn't find her, and he tracked down all kinds of things, and he eventually found her in a mental institution. All those years, she had been skipping work to come visit him. She had been putting off other people, other friends to come be with him. And over time, as the years wore on, it eventually broke her to where she was functioning. She was breathing, all that kind of stuff, but she wasn't talking. She wasn't responding. She was just kind of comatose. She would sleep. She'd be awake. And his dedication to her responded in kind. He would start taking her to counseling sessions and, and, and try to find therapists like to try to help bring her back, to try to be close to her. And one of the therapists had the idea, why don't you go and go back to some of the places that were special to you whenever you were dating? One of the things they had done early on in their marriage was to take a cruise. So he signed them up, and they got on the cruise ship. In the evening on the first night, he's pushing her wheelchair around the cruise ship, and, they're, and he's talking to her, and they're looking at all the things, and she's unresponsive. And in the middle of, of walking her through, I don't know, it's probably the Lido deck or something, where you're up there with all the pools and everybody, he hears two girls talking, two attractive girls, and they're talking, and he overhears their conversation, and one of the girls says to the other, what a shame that a guy like that is a slave to her. He quickly, he rushed her out of the thing and took her back to the room. And he went back up under the deck and he looked for them and he found them. And he said, ladies, may you be so lucky to command such a willing slave. Jesus did it. Everything, there is nothing else that he could pour out for us. God gave his son. I'm not worthy of God's son to die for me. He gave it all. How can I respond in anything else than, Lord, may you command such a willing slave? I'm yours. All of me, every bit, the things that I watch, the things that I listen to, the friends that I have, it doesn't matter. It's all yours because you were faithful to the end. You gave it all. Here I am. I'm your willing slave. Tell me. I'll go. Here's my life. He was serving a life debt that he would never completely fulfill. It wasn't one out of obligation. It was one out of love. And out of passion. We get the word passion thrown around way too much. Passion means suffering. So when someone says, what are you passionate about? They're saying, what are you willing to suffer for? That's why whenever we look at Jesus' death, we call it his passion. Because that's what he was willing to do for us. 
Are you passionate for Jesus? That's how Paul would open up his letters. He'd say, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And you know what's so beautiful? Is it was Paul that wrote about how we come to the Lord as servants, as slaves, and then God calls us sons and daughters. Because a servant doesn't live in the house, but a son remains, a daughter remains in the house forever. We come like that kid at his father's feet going, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Just let me be your slave. And God goes, come here. I got a coat for you. I've got shoes for you. I've got a ring. You're in the family now. What are you withholding? Some of you guys, maybe you're kind of realizing that you've never really made that decision to give your life to the Lord. Don't make it fast. Count the cost. Consider. So maybe you're thinking about, man, maybe I'm withholding all of me. Tonight's my night. Tonight I'm going all in. I'm laying it at the feeler. There's my life. <laughs> Whatever you can do with it, I'm yours. And maybe some people in here, you just got this one last thing that you just can't seem to break. You can't seem to remove. Or maybe you want it. Maybe it feels good. Maybe you want to keep it. And you're feeling the Holy Spirit picking at you going, you got to let this go. You got to give this up. You got to lay this at the feet of the cross because I have so much for you. If you'll only surrender it all. Um, if I could have Miko or Sean come up and play around a little bit. We're going to take a few minutes of prayer. Every, everyone close your eyes, bow your heads. Leaders, adults, you're in this too. God's word is for all of us tonight. Here's some bittersweet news. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Here's some bittersweet news. You can't give up that last bit. But you have a Savior. And you have a Holy Spirit in you that is empowering you to do the impossible to separate you from, whether it's sin. You know, there's some good things in our lives that we make idols that we don't want to lay down. I had a youth once tell me, he was a very good athlete, and he told me, Dom, I'm not playing football because I'll have to miss youth. He knew that if he was to pursue that football, it would become a God to him. There's nothing wrong with football, but it is if that's what we're not willing to give up. If we look at it and realize we would choose that over Jesus, what are those things? We're going to take just a few minutes of just quiet reflection. Just be prayerful. Leaders, be praying for these students. Heavenly Father.